Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. We are so excited that you are joining us for the show today. This podcast aims to explore a biblical life view in a conversational tone. Let's join our host and founder of Servants of Grace, Dave Jenkins, for today's episode. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome back to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this podcast. And with me today, I get to welcome back Tim Chester. Tim, welcome back to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. Thank you. Uh, can you uh, just catch us up briefly on what's going on in your life, marriage, ministry, and some of the current ministry projects that you're working on? Uh, the main uh, project, writing project that I'm working on is a book in the uh, Crossways, uh, Crossway Theologians of the Christian Life series on John Stott. So um, that is nearing completion. Next week, I'm going down to London to his archive to spend a couple of days in the archive uh, but uh, the uh, that should be done uh, next month. Oh, that's exciting. I, I love that series and I'm, I'm thankful that you are contributing uh, that volume to it. I look forward to reading it. Can you uh, tell us about the book that we're going to talk about today Enjoying God, Experience the Power and Love of God in Everyday Life Why You Wrote It and how it's being received, please? Uh, yes, there's a sort of couple of reasons why I wrote it. I guess the main one is I was conscious that uh, uh, it, it was very common for us as Christians to say to one another, when uh, perhaps when people are struggling with temptation or as kind of rhetorical flourish at the end of a sermon, uh, or when people are struggling with a hardship in their lives, that uh, we need to find contentment in Christ. Uh, our joy needs to be in God. And uh, I think that's absolutely right. But I guess my concern was that that sounds just a little bit abstract. It's not quite clear what you're supposed to do with that. And so what I wanted to really tease out is what does it look like to uh, live in relationship with God, to enjoy God in all the day-to-day stuff of life. Uh, So really, it's just looking at all the different ways that God is interacting with us. Uh, And uh, and so that just, I guess, really to equip people to spot that, uh, appreciate that, respond to that, so that uh, their relationship with God feels something that is lived and experienced and not just this uh, kind of idea that just sits in their minds. Excellent. Um, You write about uh, the two principles of knowing the Trinity and how the Trinity is based on uh, the community with God and experience. Why is it important that Christians understand these two principles? Yes, okay, so the first principle is uh, what I call uh, the three in the one, or uh, which is that we know God through the persons of the Trinity. The the essence of God, Christianity Christian theologians throughout the centuries have always said that the essence of God, the nature of God, or the being of God, if you like, or just if you like, the godness of God, what it is that makes God God, um, it's, it's beyond our comprehension, it's beyond our knowledge. Uh, we cannot, we, it's not just that we cannot know it in the sense that, that we don't have access to the information, but that we've got no way of comprehending or understanding what it means for God to be God. So we can't know the essence of God, which is effectively the oneness, that what, what makes up his oneness, his one be it. But uh, the good news is that we can know the three persons. And indeed, the three persons have lived in, in relationship with one another throughout eternity. And now in the act of creation, and then again in the act of redemption, 
they offer us uh, the opportunity to to share in that relationship, to live in relationship with the persons of the Trinity. Now, all of that is a sort of a little bit of uh, kind of headbanging theology, but but actually the the kind of cash value is very is a very simple principle, which is that if we are to enjoy living in relationship with God, we need to think in terms of the persons of God, how it is that the Father is relating to us and how we can respond, how the Son is relating, how we respond, how the Spirit is relating. We can't, if we try and think about relating to God as some kind of generic entity or abstract idea, then, you know, then, then there is no relationship. Uh, it's very difficult to think, you know, praying to uh, God is just very difficult. But as soon as we start thinking about the persons, then actually our relationship comes alive uh, because they, that, that is how they relate and that's how they relate to us. So it just means in practical day-to-day terms, thinking about how the Father, how the Son, how the Spirit are relating to us and how we can respond. And I think that principle uh, will really kind of uh, open up to people a kind of fresh sense of what it lives means to live in relationship with God. That's uh, very helpful. Um, on page 116, you write, through the Spirit, you can do something today that brings God pleasure. And then you say, I wonder if you believe that. Um, why is it so important that Christians believe that God brings pleasure? Uh, or that, that, that we bring him pleasure is what I'm saying there. Okay. So is that, is that what you mean? Yes, sir. Yeah. Sorry about that. I, I, I said that wrong. Yeah, I think, um, I think I think it's very easy for us to live with this idea that we we are sinners. Don't get me wrong. I think that I I, I feel that very that that's very profoundly true. That that not just not just we are not just people who do sinful acts, but deep down in our inner beings, we are sinners. We're born sinners in Adam. Uh, but now in Christ, what we do can bring pleasure. Does bring pleasure to God because He accepts that, receives that, sees us in Christ, and so the uh, good that we do with the help of the spirit uh, uh only really with the help of the spirit but uh, the good that we do with the help of the spirit uh, received by the father in christ brings him pleasure and that's how paul talks for example in uh, galatians chapter one where he talks about how this is uh, it is the father's pleasure to adopt us as his children so we bring him pleasure and i think that's really important because we can have this sort of sense that god kind of puts up with us you know we're sinners and he kind of puts up with us doesn't really kind of loves us in some kind of formal sense but he doesn't really enjoy that he doesn't really like us uh he kind of uh, makes do as it were with us there's a sort of begrudgingness to it but not at all the father's love is lavish and he shares his joy with us the joy that the father and the son have in the in the power of the spirit that is shared with us but also it brings him joy to see his love his grace achieve its purpose in us when we do things that are according to his will very good um on page 156 you write about repentance as the gateway to the pleasures of god um i think that's an important point can you elaborate what you mean by that yes i think so i mean i obviously the book tries to tease out all the different ways which father son and spirit involved in our lives but when i sort of asked myself when i've tried to explore my own relationship with god and i asked myself what what is the main thing that hinders that relationship the answer is undoubtedly my sin uh, or not actually my sin but the uh, failure to repent of my sin and, and this is how it, it can work in different ways i think one of the ways it works is when we sin we feel a sense of shame rightly so and that then can keep us from god uh, 
if we're not really embracing his grace, his welcome, uh, the kind of embrace of his love, then then we will kind of kind of tend to make us keep our distance. And so our enjoyment of God, our relationship with him will be, therefore be weakened as a result. Another way it works, and I think this is particularly how it often has played out in my own life is, uh, I, don't, I don't say yes to temptation, but I don't say no either. I kind of live in this sort of halfway in between, not quite, not, not, not actually giving in, but not doing a kind of decisive rejection, which is what repentance involves. It's a, it's a turning away from sin, whether that's a sin we've committed, we turn away from it back to God, whether it's a sin we're tempted to commit, we're still to flee temptation, to turn away from it. Uh, if we don't do that act, then we live in this kind of limbo, kind of not quite, not quite committing it, but, but still indulging the idea, which is really a form of sin. And again, if that's where you're kind of living, as it were, then it's very hard to, you, you, you won't want to come close to God. Uh, you'll keep your distance from God. So actually, it's this kind of unaddressed, unrepented of sin is the main thing that keeps us from God. And, I, and what that means then is repentance, which of course never sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. But in fact, if we do repent, if we do repudiate our sin, if we turn back to God, then actually we step back into a nearness with him, into a... Um, a sense of relationship with him and that actually is where true joy is to be found that's excellent brother um so continuing talking about the trinity how do the principles of three and one and the principles of union and communion transform our relationship with god we talked a little bit about the three and one so the, the idea of the principle of three is that we relate to the three persons the one is important though because we, we've always got to remember that to relate to one is to relate to all three because they are one being um and so we the uh, it's not that we uh, the father is kind of reluctant and is won over by the son or anything like that that they are in accord with one another and and as soon as we connect to one we we experience all three so that's the one the three Union and communion is really important as well. Union is, uh, in some ways, these are arbitrary terms, but but it's a helpful distinction to have in your head that that our union with God is entirely his work. It's one-way traffic. It's all about his grace, all that he has done for us. It's the Father's uh, electing love, the Son's uh, finished work. It's the Spirit's initiative in our lives. Uh, these are the things that establish the relationship we have with God. And therefore, uh, just as we couldn't create that relationship, in a sense, we can't uncreate it. That it, it our, our failure, our sin can't, can't mess that relationship up. So that's our union with God, all one-way traffic. But our communion with God, that is our experience of that relationship, that is two-way traffic. Uh, God uh, acts towards us and then we respond. We respond with faith or with love or with worship or with service. In all these different ways, we respond to him. And uh, in that sense, then, what we do contributes to our experience of a relationship with God, our communion with God, as that's actually lived. And that's a really helpful distinction because it captures some the, the realities of what goes on in just in, in day-to-day life, that um, uh, what we do makes a difference to how much we experience God. But we don't need to be deceived into thinking, therefore, we somehow contribute to the relationship. The relationship is always kind of rooted and founded on the um, on God's work with us. Again, that all sounds kind of um, heavy duty, kind of get your head around the ideas. But really, again, the cash value is really helpful, really simple. What you do makes a difference to how much you experience of God, but always that relationship with God is rooted in all that he has done. And, 
And whatever you do, whatever you mess up, if you sin, you can always kind of come back to him, fall back on that foundation that is all his work, all of his grace. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I think that's just very reassuring, uh, but at the same time gives us a real incentive to pursue God. Amen. Um, in what way, um, or excuse me, let me start that over. What difference does it make when we view the Bible as a means of communion with God? Uh, yeah, great question. I think uh, one of the things I really want to emphasize is that the Bible is, you know, the Bible gives us information about God, undoubtedly. It is God's word, and uh, in it we discover who he is, what he's done, who we are, uh, and what it means to know Christ. But uh but the Bible is much more than that. The Bible is actually not just God, uh, what God has said in the past, nor is it just information about God. It is the means by which God speaks now through the Holy Spirit. And therefore, it's also, as I say, not just information, but actually God in a relationship with us. Uh, so, for example, the book of Hebrews talks a number of times. It says, you know, there are times when it says, as it was said, or as God said, but it also says, as the Spirit says, present tense. So there's this sense in which, as we read the Bible, as we uh, hear it preached, that actually God is, uh, the Father is speaking to us, the Son is speaking to us through the work of the Spirit, so that through the Spirit we hear the voice of God speaking to me or to this congregation in this this moment so that we actually uh, are engaged in a dynamic personal relational interaction with God in that moment that's uh that's really helpful um in what way is divine love made complete in Christian community uh that's the language I picked that language up uh, from uh, one John where it's the language that John uses in fact John is very bold there really he talks about how uh, uh, no one has ever seen the invisible God but his love is made complete among us and I think what that means is that there's a very real sense in which uh, within the Christian community, in the church, which God has given to us uh, as a means of grace, that actually uh, we experience God's love in the love of other Christians to us. Uh, that one of the ways that God relates to us is that he relates to us through other Christians. And that could be uh, a hug, it could be a meal, it could be a word of encouragement, it could be a word of challenge. Uh, it could be uh, some practical help when we're in need. It could be a gift of money. In all these different ways, God is using the community of the church as, as, as a means by which he expresses his love to us. And that can then that then comes in a very tangible form, uh, and which I think is tremendously encouraging. Yes. In a sense, really, what, what what enjoying God is. So you know, even in this conversation, I'm aware that we've hit some kind of big theological themes. But really, what it is, it's about just spotting in a very practical, down to earth way all the ways that God is relating to us, Father, Son, and Spirit are relating to us in day to day ordinary life. So, what would be your counsel to somebody just as we kind of land this plane uh, for this conversation? What would be you know, they're they're facing hardship and difficulty. Um, what would be your counsel to them to prepare for these times um, and as they face times of difficulty? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, obviously, in the book, what I try and do is think about uh, all the different ways the Father relates to us and how we're to respond, all the ways the Son relates to us and how we respond, all the way the Spirit relates to us and how we're to respond. And actually, in each of those categories, each member of the Trinity, they, they interact with us in hardship in a way that actually um, enriches our relationship with God. So we can see hardship as the Father's uh, formation uh, or discipline. Uh, I think the problem with the language of discipline, which is bi 
biblical language. It's the language the Bible uses. But we so often think of a kind of headmaster sort of punishing. But actually, it's it's an act of formation. It's the way we discipline children. Uh, we form them. We shape them. Or the way that a trainer trains an athlete uh, or a new employee. Uh, in all these ways, though, the God, uh, the Father is using all these circumstances of our lives, good and bad, to uh, to shape us into the image of his Son. And uh, we can, you know, the writer of Hebrews encourages us to see hardship in that way. Meanwhile, the Son is interacting with us in hardship because he sympathizes with us. He's with us. He uh, knows what it's like. He's still human. He hasn't lost. He didn't leave his humanity behind. Uh, he still relates to us as one human being to another. And then the Spirit is relating to us. Uh, uh, Paul talks about how we uh, we groan as we experience the brokenness of creation, uh, but also the Spirit groans with us. And uh, so the, that groaning becomes, if we uh, receive that, see that, what, if we, as we see that's what's happening by faith, a, a kind of pointer that uh, we are heading for a new world, a new creation. The Spirit is the first fruits of, the, of a new creation. And so in those moments, uh, if we have eyes to see it, what we're actually being reminded of is that this world is not our home, that actually we're heading to a whole new creation. Well, Tim, I, I just want to thank, say thank you for your time. Um, I really appreciate all the work that you're doing. I'm looking forward to your uh, forthcoming book on John Stott and the Theologians of the Christian Life series and just pr- continue to be thankful for your work, brother. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that you were encouraged by today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. For more uplifting and thought-provoking content, please visit us online at servantsofgrace.org. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Servants of Grace and on Facebook at facebook.com slash servants of grace. We hope you have a blessed day and we will see you next time.